1: is Andrew Kill. Thanks for being on the show, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Andrew has an amazing story that I know all of you are going to be able to relate to, I hope, or going to be able to learn a lot from it. He hasn't purchased 20 mobile home parks in three years by sitting on his hands. That's for sure. So we're going to learn hear about his story, how he got started in this business. You know, Andrew is a top 100 owner of manufactured housing communities. His team currently manages 20 manufactured housing communities across eight states. Andrew is training also for Ironman Florida in November 2020. So that's incredible. That's a lot to keep up with. I know you're traveling right now, Andrew, as well, and, and you're probably trying to train at the same time. So that's difficult, especially probably the eating while you're traveling right now. But uh, anyway, grateful for your time, Andrew, looking forward to hearing this story. You know, why don't you back up and really share with the listeners the struggles and and what you had to get through to, to make that first few deals happen? Or, you know, let's go back even further to why mobile home parks and and what got you into real estate?
0: yeah i'd be happy to so i started out flipping houses around the central florida area i was doing marketing to try to source off-market deals and one day i got a call from a seller that had received a yellow letter from me in the ocala florida area and it was through a probate letter that we had mailed out and He had two mobile homes that were manufactured in the mid-1990s. These were nice vinyl-sided shingle roof homes that were in parks up in Ocala, Florida, that he was the executor of the will, and, and he was in charge of selling these and liquidating these mobile homes. That was my very first exposure to manufactured housing as a whole. I had no clue what was going on. I just knew that this was a motivated seller and a good deal. I mean, I went up, I met with him. And he just wanted $2,200 cash for both of the mobile homes. And I knew, I mean, it would cost way more than that to build these things. And they were in decent shape. You know, they, had, they needed little touch-up stuff, you know, new carpet, new paint, things like that. So I did the deal not really knowing how I was going to make money on them. So I bought the two homes for 2200 bucks. I got the titles. I came home and I got on YouTube and I typed in how to make money with mobile homes. And I found this guy named Lonnie Scruggs who wrote a book called Deals on Wheels. And I just fell in love with this guy, fell in love with the business model to create mailbox money where I would buy these homes and then sell them on contract to an end buyer. So I ended up you know, making a good profit on these couple of deals and then I ended up carrying it over and doing that again like 15 more times where I had a, a, several of these individual mobile homes that I had fixed up a little bit and then sold on contract. So that's where I got my start. And what really intrigued me to the, the mobile home park and manufactured housing business was the crazy amount of demand that I had for these two mobile homes. I fixed them up a little bit, took some pictures and put them on Craigslist. And the demand was off the charts. I mean, I had like 25 people reach out in the first two days that were interested in buying these homes from me. So I was instantly glued. I ended up meeting a park owner a little bit further down the line and he basically explained to me the benefits of owning the real estate versus the personal property that is the individual trailers and I had an aha moment and I just became obsessed with mobile home parks. I got every piece of, you know, training material. I went to all the boot camps. I just got hands-on with every amount of content, every book, every webinar, every boot camp I could get my hands on. About how long
1: ago was this time when you are like, okay, now this is what I'm going to do and I'm studying?
0: Yeah, that was like 2014, 2015 that I was like diving in. I literally, from that lunch, I met the park owner. I went home and I wrote on my refrigerator, it's like a stainless steel fridge, I wrote with dry erase marker that I wanted to buy my first mobile home park that year, and it was like 2015. And then I kind of went through this, I think they call it the Valley of Sorrow, where I didn't end up buying my first mobile home park in twenty fifteen, but it was always a goal of mine. And I was building my funnel of leads. I had started mailing out letters, I started cold calling, and I eventually found a deal that was in Edwardsville, Illinois, and I contacted an investor that was in the the MHU boot camp, the Frank and Dave boot camp that kind of teaches all, all about mobile home park investing. I contacted an investor because I didn't have enough cash to take it down myself and he ended up partnering with me. We bought that first deal in June of 2017 and by that time, I had built this like wave of deal flow that started coming immediately after we closed that first deal. That first deal was a home run. It was off market. We got a really good price on it. And since then, I did five more deals with that same investor, all of which have been refied and, you know, all initial capital has been paid back. And since then, I've syndicated several deals. We bought a portfolio of five mobile home parks back in 2018. We're just continually buying parks and we love the business. And it's been really good for myself and my family and created financial freedom for us. So that's my story and we love it.
1: Awesome. That's your story and you're sticking to it. All right. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's interesting that, that you found these two mobile homes and you, and it sounds like you took action before you really knew much about them. You jumped in and made it happen, and and before you really educated yourself, sometimes that goes really bad for people. But but I I love how you took action and you said, you know, like this just has to be a good deal, and it turned out to be really good. But what gave you the confidence to to really take that leap like that? Uh, Because ultimately, if they had been really horrible, and now you got these two things that are no good, you can't do anything with, you know, it's going to cost you a lot then probably to get rid of them. But what gave you the confidence to take action?
0: I was just at the time considering the cost to build these two homes. And I knew that, you know, there was nothing structurally wrong with them. When I was flipping houses, you know, I had taken courses on that and what to look for in terms of construction and the bones of these two homes were very good. So I was looking at rebuilding the, the, these two homes was gonna cost at least 20 to $30,000 a piece. So that was really what got me to, to take action. I have done other things in uh, real estate investing, where I took action like that and it didn't turn out as well. You know, I went to a class on note investing to buy individual notes and I said, okay, this seems like a really good business model. A month later, I got like an off-market opportunity to buy a, a note and the guy, he like went bankrupt. So the whole process got dragged out and we ended up losing money on that deal. So this deal just happened to be a really good opportunity and since then, I've even more so gone deeper into the manufactured housing space, and it, it ended up being a really good decision.
1: Were you working full-time when you started this, like another J-O-B?
0: I was not. I was not. No, I, I was doing the wholesaling and flipping full-time when I first right. started You know, in manufactured okay. housing.
1: So let's, let's talk about some of those growing pains. You know, you, you get into this business and it sounds like, you know, you did five deals with that investor. Then you bought a portfolio of five. I mean, so if I have that right, I mean, quickly you went to 10 deals. I mean, 10 parks. I mean, that's, that's a a big undertaking just immediately when you just educated yourself about mobile home parks. You know, let's talk about some of those growing pains. What were some of the struggles that you experienced there, or maybe things you, you know, now that you wish you had known then?
0: Yeah, so luckily I had gone to the MHU boot camp and and I went to a couple other like seminar type of deals and I had read a a ton of content on these. I understand, I understood a large portion of this going into my first deal that saved a ton of heartache, you know, like utility infrastructure is very important, due diligence is very important. So that was monumental in my kind of build up phase to get to this level. Going from one mobile home park to 10 mobile home parks as quickly as I did, I would say the biggest struggle was, you know, the normal person thinks that, hey, you can work a 40 hour work week, you know, that just didn't exist. You know, I had no life. This was, this was my full deal. I was traveling all the time. You know, it took a while before I was able to build out the operations team and build out the management structure to assist with the growth that happened so quickly. So. You know, I didn't have a lot of cash to be able to afford to hire property managers and things like that in terms of like off-site operations corporate office team structure now we have 12 employees that are all off-site managers and help us manage the onsite managers and it's a different structure entirely but in the beginning it was me so that was a big problem a big big issue that happened and it was it was overwhelming at times
1: for sure uh, you know and i want to just i want to just stay on that point for just a second cuz i've experienced this, this almost a uh, very similar story it has not been easy you know it's been a, it has been a a big sacrifice for the whole family and i try to stress that point you know it's not i mean while i'm working two full time jobs últimately or or you know or did to make this happen for for years my better half is you know she's working just as hard doing everything else A lot of those things people don't see when they think, okay, I'm going to go make it happen like that guy did, you know, you don't, you don't see those things and you don't realize. And sometimes I think ignorance is bliss, right? It's better. You don't know probably in the beginning, but what was that like? You know, some, in some of those most intense times, was it more just, you know, being away from family or was it the stress of that many parks at once, or maybe numerous issues that were happening and learning how to handle them? What were a, a few examples that were difficult that you had to work through?
0: Yeah. So for example, you know, and my wife, Katie is an absolute rock star. I mean, I could not have grown and and built this business without her support. Just to tell you a little bit about her, her supportiveness. She moved with me with my, at the time, my daughter was one years old. We moved into a mobile home park in Ohio and lived there for three months. That was a new property that we just purchased. And this was, that was really how I dove into a, to the project. And that was a, a fixer upper property. So I really needed to be on site to manage contractors, manage the infill process and so forth. So, you know, having that supportive spouse really is monumental to, to what I was able to do because, you know, I was living, it wasn't an eight to five, you know, normal job. This was from when I opened my eyes in the morning to when I closed my eyes at night, we were able to to understand that upfront, that this is a big commitment. But in the end, it's going to be worth it. And it panned out that way. That's
1: incredible. I mean, it's an incredible story of just uh, the sacrifice that your whole family made, right? I mean, you all moved to a park. I mean, to make this happen. I just think it's so incredible. And just the success now, because of all of you, you all just teamwork and sacrifice so okay so now you're you're at the park and you've grown you know say you know you, you got those 10 parks growing to that scale i know i know you mentioned uh, you know you were traveling a lot and 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 just that you didn't have the team yet what were a couple or maybe the very first hire that you made or looking back you know, what was the first hire that you, you made and then looking back it, was that the correct first hire
0: man i got so lucky whitney my first hire his name's john scortino he was a buddy of mine from high school we ended up coming together he was working as a project manager for a software firm and they just weren't treating him right and he wasn't happy there and the timing just worked out it it was just one of those things that's bigger than yourself and i i was able to hire him and basically put him in charge of operations and I was able to focus on acquisition so that we could keep growing and that was just the best decision I've ever made and he's still with me today. He's he's up here in Nebraska with me. We're living out of a Holiday Inn Express, you know, rehabbing uh, the park that we just purchased and we're best friends and that was just, that is what has helped us grow to over 20 parks now is being a good team and understanding hard work.
1: Wow. Okay. So that's incredible. Not not all first hires are, are that good, right? Exceptionally good. What was the next hire? What was the next important role that you had to fill?
0: Yeah. So after that, we hired an offsite, like an admin role hire, and we failed miserably. We thought we knew what we were doing. We went through the whole hiring process and really tried to take our time. And we did a lot of like you know assessments, disc analysis, and things like that. And then after the first month, she said, hey, guys, this just isn't for me. I was expecting this to be a little bit easier. I'm going to step away. And we were like, well, what do you mean you're going to step away? You know, we're at that time we were up in Illinois, you know, living and she was kind of back helping us in Florida, handling accounts payable and things like that. So it was really, you know, a crisis in the moment. So it wasn't as as good as my first hire. I'll, I'll tell you that.
1: Yeah, I think we all go through those, you know, and and that's you learn and grow so much through a few of those. I can't even remember who it was now, but I had somebody that said, you know, it was my, my fifth hire was just amazing, but it took that many for me to really learn how to find somebody and to train them. Most people saying, I'm not going to hire a virtual assistant or somebody, an employee because of the, you know, they're just going to leave or, but
0: you got to get started, right? You totally have to, and we've gotten much better. We have four virtual assistants now that are on our team and they're, they're overseas and the absolute rock stars, you know, and we, in the hiring process, we now have tests that they have to complete before getting to an interview phase. And we've learned a lot, thankfully, but yeah, there was some heartache early on, you know, learning the, those processes.
1: What are some of the systems that you had to put in place that have just that that have made your your life or your business success happen or m- much easier? What are a couple of those systems that were crucial to to get in place as quick as possible?
0: Definitely. So, in the hiring process, creating a test before interviews was just huge for us because, you know, like for example, on an Indeed ad that we would put up, we'd get 200 applicants, but wow. that doesn't mean that 200 of them are grade A quality applicants. So, we try to be very detail-oriented and set up our tests, our pre, pre-interview tests very well. So that was one thing we implemented. Another thing that we implemented that has been really huge for us is using Slack as a communication software. And for project management, we use Trello, which is a, like a project management software. And it just took a lot of the time that we would spend over the phone kind of trying to train someone Now we can systematize that. We can create a video with some screen capture, take that link and put it in a Trello card and it's there forever. And and then if someone quits, we can move the new person in and say, here, here's your Trello board. If you need to know how to do something, you can go into a Trello card, open it up. There's a video that you can watch how to run a background check or whatever the case may be. So systematizing what each position does has been monumental for our business.
1: Systematizing what each position does. And that doesn't happen quickly, right? Creating all those videos and being that organized, but long-term, I mean, that, that's incredible. I, I've done some of the same things, but, uh, you know, as far as recording the screen and, uh, you know, doing different things where they can hear you talking and walking through it, and then they can watch it. And it's so beneficial long-term. What are some of the, let's say, virtual assistants that are all over the world? What what are they doing for you? What are their roles or capacities?
0: Yeah, so we found like a little pocket of, it's like, a, it's been a gold mine for us. We found, and we have three virtual assistants out of Armenia that are just absolute rock stars. I mean, they, they're very fluent in English. They are on the ball. All three of them were actually foreign exchange students and have, had lived in the United States. And they are like project managers for us. So they are the direct contact for five on on-site managers and you know they're communicating in slack daily they're updating their trello boards every park has its own trello board that we we update and they're communicating primarily with our head of operations through the trello board so that's been absolutely monumental for us and we also have one additional virtual assistant that is our marketing manager and she's out of the philippines and she communicates with each onsite manager. She helps get, you know, the ads or the, the postings for new listings on Facebook marketplace, Zillow, Craigslist, you know, all the platforms to market new homes that we're selling in different communities. And then she has her own Trello board that she keeps us updated with how many prospects have reached out and things like that. So that's been monumental in, in helping us keep our occupancy high.
1: Is she able to actually take calls for you and things like that as people reach out?
0: Yeah, she has her own Skype number and she can call and, and people can call her and I mean she just works her, her tail off and, and it's just been a it's been awesome to watch. You know, she's she's really goes the extra mile and the way we've set up her compensation is based off production and she really works hard and it's it's been really awesome to watch because it takes time to, to get back to every lead, to keep the, the Trello board updated. She just does a great job. So we're thankful to have her and to have found her.
1: So you're paying based off of production or percentage, something like that. Uh, so how did you decide to do that versus you know just an hourly hourly wage?
0: Yeah, so she does have like a base pay, that is like an hourly wage, and then she gets bonused based on how many applications that are received per week. So that just you know was something that I, I grew up with, you know pre-real estate. I was in sales, I was a sales manager, so you know I wanted to make sure that there was a, a carrot. That was always something they would be working harder for to kind of reach for instead of just receiving an hourly wage, whether they worked hard or didn't so
1: what's next for the the kill team what's happening now or what are you pushing towards now
0: yeah we're our goal is just to continue to grow. I have a big goal of owning and operating a hundred million dollars in asset value in mobile home parks. you know we're definitely staying in this vertical. I mean, we have a mobile home transport company that we have started that helps us with our value add infill projects. Like I said, right now I'm living in Norfolk, Nebraska on a new acquisition and we just plan on continuing to buy parks and grow our portfolio and, you know, really work on, on the value add component because that has been successful and profitable for us.
1: What's been the, the hardest part of this journey for you over the last three or four years?
0: You know, I would say hiring, that's been the the toughest part because the first hire I made, it kind of felt too easy and I got spoiled and then there's been other hires after that that have you think are going to be rock stars and then it doesn't work out, so you have to replace them and and move someone else into that role. But I would say what has helped us overcome that is is creating a Trello board for each position and then putting those videos, those how-to videos on cards, you know, so they have like an encyclopedia to reference in the future if they need to know how to do something, and that's just saved a ton of time.
1: And now you're using Indeed, and you are uh, you have a you have a test before the interview process.
0: Yeah, there's like a process that kind of tests their tech savviness. You know, an- another hire that I made, which was I could tell a whole story about this, but she went through the test and she had her daughter do the like technology piece you know like i had her create a google spreadsheet and then share it so that it was editable and you know it was perfect well then she got into the position and it was blatantly clear the first week that the tech savviness wasn't what we thought it was and it turns out she had her daughter complete the test for her who was you know a, a college age millennial so you know there's ways around it but again we're learning as we go through this and in improving our systems and trying to get better.
1: Yeah, a few integrity issues there. (laughs) So what about a way you've recently improved your business uh, other than hiring that we could apply to our business?
0: I would say one thing that has really helped us is the VAs, you know, hiring virtual assistants because, you know, they are cheaper, they're less expensive, but you can get really quality people that are it's a win-win for them you know they have good stable employment during this covid crisis a lot of people overseas are unemployed as well now and you know working virtually is an attractive thing for many people not just in the US so we were able to acquire some really nice virtual assistants that are very impactful in our business and i would say that is that is something that everybody should do
1: and how did you find them again or was there a a virtual assistant Company or something like that. You went through, or how did you find them?
0: Yeah, there was several websites that we posted the ads on. So I'm not sure which one specifically it went out to, but you know, we would just post ads on the job boards. You know, specific per that country that we were targeting.
1: Okay, so what's your your best source for meeting new investors right now?
0: Best source for meeting new investors, I would say, is referrals from previous investors. We have a, a good number of people that reach out to us. And I'll be honest, we don't have a fund. We are doing individual syndications and we have a small, smaller team. So we're only able to do five to seven deals a year. But with that, you know, we usually have pretty good demand from investors just based off of the network that we've been able to build.
1: What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success?
0: I would say tenacity. You know, whenever I hire someone, I always tell them up front, like, hey, this is not a, you know, sit behind a desk and, and kind of look at social media all day. This is, this is very involved. We hustle. We're very hands on. And, you know, one thing that I, I always tell a new hire is, you know, we don't just send an email off and expect someone to read it and get back to us we're the type that sends the email. We call afterwards to make sure they got it. And we call you know, until we get an answer that, that we need. So whether that's with contractors, whether that's with insurance agents, whether that's with a seller, we're very tenacious and we attack it. And I think that's why we get things done a lot faster than other operators. Follow-up
1: process is key. It's so key. Yeah. How do you like to give back?
0: Love to give back many ways. Uh, we're very involved with our church. My wife and I are one thing that I've, I've started doing is, you know, newer operators that are in the mobile home park space, they will bring deals to the table. And I've partnered with several of them on, you know, raising the money and then helping with operations. If they would bring a, a deal that fits the criteria, we would partner on deals together and that helps them get their foot in the door. So that's something I've, I've done in the past and hope to continue in the future.
1: Wow. Well, Andrew, amazing show. Just amazing story. I, I just appreciate your willingness to share and, and us all learn from, from just your, your hard work and your, your whole family sacrifice ultimately. And, I just want to say congratulations on, you know, reaching financial freedom and just making it happen uh, and ultimately a short period of time, right? I mean, you know, you've done it, but it, that does not happen w- without a lot of hard work and and just being willing to keep getting up after getting punched in the face, right? <laughs> I like to say that. It's just, you know, it happens and, and it's those that keep getting up, you know, that are going to make it. So congratulations to you. You know, I know the listeners would would love to learn more about you. How can they get in touch with you and learn more about your team?
0: Yeah, the best way would be through our website. That's keelteam.com. That's just K-E-E-L-T-E-A-M.com.
1: Awesome, Andrew. That's a wrap.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you, Whitney. Man, that was a great show. I really appreciate you having me.
1: Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter.